you have to do the copywriting before you open your first email of the day. The night before, you have to set yourself up to succeed. You have to predetermine all your thoughts and actions. So the night before, you've already read all the source material. You've had it digesting in the, you've had it fermenting. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. You've probably heard of copywriting, but what exactly does a copywriter do and should you become one? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. And learning what a copywriter does and how to become one is what we're going to cover in this week's episode. I've interviewed Jack Stafford, who's set up a copywriting agency and run it since 2002. And he employs copywriters and works with clients around the world. Now, basically, copywriting is writing words that sell. And if you're writing any type of nonfiction, in a way, you're writing words that sell because you could be selling your ideas, you could be selling your article, your book, or you could be selling uh, concepts that you have in your blog post. That's your primary job as a copywriter, but there's a bit more to it than that. And one of the best ways to become a copywriter is, of course, to get some hands-on experience. I'd also recommend you read a number of copywriting books like The Boring Letters by Gary Halbert and Tested Advertising Methods. That's another great copywriting book. I've worked for various companies over the past 10 years or so as a copywriter, mostly within the B2B industry and in the technology industry. And copywriting, in a way, has helped me improve my nonfiction in that I've learned about how to break up sentences and write for the web and why headlines are so important. I also like copywriting because you can find a balance between creative work and something that's a little bit more scientific. When I say creative work, you might have an idea that you want to explore in the copy that you're writing or in the sales letter. And then you need to apply a little bit of science in that it needs to resonate with readers and lead them on to the next step. That next step could be them raising their hands to opt in to your email list. It could be them taking out their credit card to buy your book, or it could be them taking some other sort of action. Now, of course, copywriting is something that you will improve at over time, like any writing skill. And to help you get more of an understanding, I wanted to talk to an experienced copywriter like Jack Stafford. So I started by asking him why he set up his copywriting agency in the first place, and if copywriting is really a great way for writers to get paid today. Okay, we're, we're a copywriting agency. Our headquarters is in Amsterdam. Um, I started the company about 18 years ago. I was a copywriter myself. I started work in Eindhoven in the south of the Netherlands. I um, graduated university and I looked around for different jobs. And I don't know why, but I saw this advert for a copywriter in the Netherlands. I wasn't looking for a job abroad. I wasn't looking to emigrate. But then, I don't know, it just sounded interesting. And so I was a musician and I edited a cycling magazine. And so I had no previous copywriting experience. I was only 21. But they said, I sent in, all, I sent in a nice letter and some examples and some songs. And they said, yeah, if you can write songs, you can be a copywriter. So, which was nice. And so I got a job in Eindhoven. I went over to live there for two years. And then I moved up to Amsterdam and I went freelance. And yeah, I tried to get a full-time job in an agency, but I couldn't. I stayed freelance and went on for a few years. And then I was thinking, you know, I was, getting, I was working all the time because being an English copywriter in Amsterdam, there's not too many there. You're not in London or Dublin. So I got quite a few assignments and I grew and grew and got to know more English copywriters. And I thought, when I stop working, when I, if I want to go on holiday, if I want to go traveling, if I want to retire, then my income will stop then. So that's a little strange. 
what can I do to enable myself to develop in future? I don't want to be a copywriter for the rest of my life. Is there a way I, and I don't want to lose all the, the knowledge and experience and context I've gained. How can I develop this? So I started representing all the other copywriters around me and they were quite happy about it. And it kind of grew into this small collective of great British creatives living in, in Amsterdam. Great to see that you've been, you've been going since 2002. So when I first studied copywriting, the way I learned about it is through reading copywriting books like The Boring Letters by Gary Halbert and a couple of other copywriting books as well by, by David Ogilvy and so on. And that's an approach that many guides to becoming a copywriter recommend. But I, I also worked for a technology website that's now out of business, but they gave me some copywriting work and then I kind of learned on the job about how to write copy for this technology website. I'm curious, how do you recommend somebody acquires the skills they need to become a copywriter today? Well, I was very lucky. I got this job in the agency for two years. I was writing every day and with a mentor. So I had this guy, William, who was very tough Scottish Newcastle guy. He was always on at me, always criticizing me heavily for my writing every day for two years. And it would be polished and polished, take this back, redo this, redo that. That kind of heavy criticism for two years is the best medicine because if you start freelance, you can yeah. work for five years and maybe actually of that time, you're only writing for six months if you condense it down. So I recommend in-house experience working for, you know, working for someone else, be it be an agency or as you said, a, a company or another writer, having a mentor and learning it as you would carpentry, as you would uh, metalwork, learn from someone else. So there are many different types of copywriters depending on the industry. What type of clients did you work for at first? I was a B2B copywriter, so I would write for Philips. I was in Eindhoven and they, they just wanted brochures and eventually websites. So I do kind of long copy from selling business products to business people. So there's more of a business language. It's not your short, sexy consumer copywriting. And then I never actually worked up towards radio, television, press ads. I never did much of that. I was always more long copywriting, which nowadays most people is... That was back then before content writing. It goes from the really high-end copywriters, the creatives who can hardly write, don't write very well, long copy, but they can come up with an amazing slogan or a very creative concept. And they're still called copywriters. And it goes down all the way to people who can write, you know, really great sales work down to all those people who just write technical or content. So there's a huge spectrum within this word copywriter. Yeah, gl I'm glad you brought that up, Jack. So do you think copywriting is creative or is it best to follow like a proven copywriting formula? There is no such thing as art. It's all a science. There are only formulas. If you really break it down, the greatest examples follow the clearest, simplest formula. Yeah, one of my favorite formulas is the problem agitate solution formula because I think it's quite easy for, uh, for anybody to grasp if they're not familiar with copywriting. Do, do you have any other formulas that you like or look at? No, but that sounds like a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I learned about that from Copy Blogger, actually. So yeah, it's, it's one, of, one of my favorite ones. And what about getting copy tested? So if you've written a sales page for a client, do you let them take it away and test it? Or is that something you look at yourself first? Well, if they want, as a freelancer, you, you just do what they pay for. So if they want to pay for like testing, A-B testing, then you can do it. But then they have to pay for it to be written twice. So normally, they, yeah. it's enough of a struggle to get them to pay for it once. Yeah. And actually on that, is, is it possible for a copywriter today to earn a good living? Oh, definitely, yes. I mean, we just had this, this quarantine virus disaster, as you, uh, as you well know. But 
Yeah. yeah, our jobs our jobs kept coming in the same. I mean, the businesses shifted, but some of the businesses exploded. You know, all their competitors closed down, and they they were fulfilling orders left, right, and center. So yeah, everyone needs copy. I think when you know it'll be just be copywriters and cockroaches at the end of this. Yeah, I think particularly with a lot of businesses going even more online than they were before, they you know they're probably looking at how they're describing themselves on their websites and so on. So, what type of copywriters sign up for your service? What kind of copywriters? Well, yeah. we not we're not actually taking new copywriters at the moment. We've okay, yeah, we've we're kind of like a boutique agency. So we have we started in Amsterdam with just British, and now we expanded okay. into all worldwide with all local copywriters. So we have all nationalities of copywriters, and we have three, four, or five in each in each nationality. Yeah. And we do like transcreation as well, which is translation by a copywriter. Yeah, so we have this pool of, of creative copywriters and we these the clients come to us because we can get a job done in six languages by tomorrow. Yeah, and do you think a copywriter should be particularly knowledgeable about their industry or their geography or country? Or can, can a copywriter cover many different areas? If you want to succeed, you should specialize. Yeah, any particular industries that you think are growing at the moment for, for new copywriters? Pharmaceuticals is a good one. Yeah, pharmaceuticals, <laughs> yeah. technology, maybe. Yes, yeah, I think because you know it, it's it's much easier to specialize. I did myself. I was I'm a cyclist, so yeah. you know, I subscribe to all these cycling magazines and every other page is an advert. So the you know all these companies are advertising and they they need every company needs a website. So I made a big database for myself of cycling brands and emailed them all every couple of months saying, you know, do you need some free copywriting during the pandemic or do you need some copywriting return for free stuff or can I just do copywriting for you to grow yourself in the beginning? And does that kind of cold outreach work? You have to, it's percentagely, it's a very small percentage, but eventually, yes. Okay. Okay. And what about a, you talked about a database of clients and looking at advertisements and cycling magazines and so on. Do you recommend copywriters have a swipe file where they put all their advertisements in and review them? To build up a database. So one approach I've come across is the idea of a swipe file where you take interesting advertisements and headlines and, and so on, and you put them all into your swipe file. So when you're writing copy later on, you can go back and look at your swipe file and you can see what type of copy other people have used and maybe use that as inspiration. Oh, that's great. I haven't heard of that. I've I've heard of Pinterest, but I haven't heard of Swipe. Yeah, I guess Pinterest could be like a like a social media or a virtual swipe file. Ah, uh, okay. No, that's a good tip. Thanks. I'm learning from you. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> okay. So um when you're writing copy for a, a sales page, what's the approach that you would take? Well, I guess it depends on the client and the brief. You know, I insist on a written brief and I want them to tell me what they want because we work for different clients. So we work from directly for brands, we work for advertising agencies, and we work for small businesses. So it's the easiest to work for is the advertising agencies or the, the communications marketing agencies because they know exactly what they want. They write a brief. They have little boxes for you to put the copy in. This headline has to target this target market. Whereas if you're working for a, someone who's just invented a widget, and they've never, they've no marketing background, then you really have to start from scratch and you spend more time writing the brief than you do the actual copy. So what makes for a good brief for a copywriter or, or what should a copywriter look for in their brief from a client? It's a very good question. And that's probably the, the most important question to ask. Yes. Just knowing, getting it down in black and white, what they want to, what they want to achieve. What's the end result? Because 
Do they want people to go to this website form? Do they want people to apply for a trial, a 30-day trial? What's the objective? And then work backwards from that. So we talked there a few minutes ago about getting feedback from the client. Uh, One issue that I've had in the past is I would write copy for somebody and then they would send feedback and it's, it's kind of vague or ambiguous. Or there would be conflicting feedback if, let's say, two people working for the client had reviewed the copy and they just both leave comments in a Word document and it's up to me to interpret it. Do you have any suggestions or tips for managing problems like that? Yes, you have to, don't write for committee, but um, definitely insist in your quote that you offer one or two rounds of revision maximum. And then after that, they have to pay. Okay, okay. And you also talked there about headlines. How important is the headline in a sales page or perhaps some emails that you're writing copy for? It's all in order of priority and you should write that last. So you write everything else and then sum it up in the headline. But that's, yeah, that's really an art form to get people to get to read the rest of the article. So yeah, as you say, the the testing is very good for that because your opinion as a writer, you can't put yourself into the minds of uh, all the people reading the article. So you can be creative. You can say, okay, I'm going to be funny. I'm going to be serious. But yeah. Testing is will tell you what works and what doesn't. Do you have any suggestions for somebody who wants to get started with testing a headline? Mm, Facebook ads are very good for that. You can test for a, you know a couple of dollars. You can put it in, and then you'll get results the next morning. Yeah. Okay. And how many headlines would you typically come up with for a project? Again, it depends on it depends on the client how much they want to pay. You know, as I say, if you do the headline last, it's a lot easier. You're in the groove. You've already come up with a lot of sub headlines, and the headlines come to you. You just pick out the best, sometimes the best bit of copy in the in the whole article, and put that at the top. Or maybe you start with a question or some some statistic. Oh, did you know that there are many many options? So again, I test. So I, I was struck there that you brought up pharmaceuticals as a good industry for because what I was getting at is when I've written copy for technology companies sometimes I'll get messaging or, or the brief and, and it'll be quite feature driven or there'll be a lot of technical information and the challenge is to turn you know those features into benefits are, are there any approaches that copywriters can take if they're, they're getting a lot of technical information and they want to turn it into real world language for, for customers yeah well a lot of time it's good as a copywriter not to really know too much about the the product. Like I've gone to, you know, had a factory tour and then you get all the information about it and the, the marketing manager asks you to write about their machine or the thing they're producing. Because when they try to write it themselves, you know, they, they're just too absorbed in the process, you know, they're just too amazed by the specifications. So if you come in with fresh eyes, you can often understand what the real benefits are and translate those. Do you find it useful to interview would-be customers that, for, that the copy is aimed at? You don't have time, really. I mean, if you, once you're a successful copywriter, you might have three jobs this morning, you know? Yeah. So you're just banging through them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you, if you're specialized, if you're a, a fanatic about guitars, you are the target audience. So you know all writing about guitars and you... You know, you know the terminology and you know what people want to hear. So that's one reason. Another reason to specialize is that you you are the target audience. Yes. Yeah, so you're kind of drawing on your own 
experience or hobbies or interests. So you mentioned the Copywriting Collective has been going since 2002. I mean, that's that's nearly 18 years. How has the copywriting industry changed for you since you first started? Well, it's the internet. Yeah, that's the revolutionized everything. We used to print when I started printing brochures and, you know, not many things get printed anymore. So there's a huge demand for volume in terms of copy. You know, you, you can read all these, like if you need a 4,000 word web page to rank. You know, so we need to cover all these search terms. I mean, it's, it's changed dramatically since, since we began. I don't know, for the better or for the worse? I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> you mentioned there about search terms. How do you balance working in search terms into copy versus uh, writing copy that you feel is on brief? Like, would you look at a, a map of keywords or do you have some other approach that you recommend people take? It depends. Sometimes you can sell yourself as a, you say, well, I, I can do some keyword research for you. you. You get a subscription to one of these services like SEMrush and then you do a, you provide these related keywords to a client. So you're kind of adding value. And so I'll provide you with a keyworded article. The truth kind of shifts. It used to, a couple of years ago, you had to include the keyword 333 times. And now it's, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have it. You know, and then you should have all the related words. Like if you're, if you're writing about New York, mention the Statue of Liberty and things like that. But if you're writing a natural, professional, proper article, then you're kind of going to cover everything. It's only, I think, if you if you try to be a bit gamey, then, you know, people are going to see it and, you're, you know, your read time is going to fall through the floor because people, they feel like they're reading a robot. So, yeah, it depends. I mean, just keep it natural. Yeah, it can be difficult to balance, you know, writing for humans versus, you know, inserting some some particular keywords that you might be targeting to, to rank in Google as well. So because your agency has been going so long, do, do you find you get a lot of word of mouth business? Definitely. Repeat business is very good. I mean, the 80-20 rule, we get, we get 80% of our work from 20% of our clients and also 80% of the stress from the other, from another 20%. If you keep growing in the business, and especially if you're specializing, then your word, your name gets around. You know, you you have to, you know, really occupy that sphere that you exist in. So you you know, you're on all the LinkedIn groups, you're on all the the Facebook groups, you're you're going to the conferences, you're going to the expos, and you'll just start to know everyone in that industry. So that's another reason to specialize. So I was looking at your website before our interview, and you have an interesting article about how much copywriters should charge. And you talk about how some copywriters charge too little. Would you, would you be able to explain your, your thinking on rates for copywriters today? Uh, I didn't write that article, so I would have to... I haven't read it, so I would have to, to guess. But um, we do all around the world. So the lower you go, the hotter it gets, the less you can charge. You know, in Spain and yeah. Italy, the, the rates are much, much, much lower than up in Norway. You know, so it depends on your geographical location. Also, in your industry, if you're a, yeah, if you're a high tech, experienced, technological, or pharmaceutical copywriter, then you can charge a lot more. And if you're just getting your gigs from a bidding website, then you know you're competing on price. But a copywriter collective, we have to compete. We can't compete with all these people because you know we're adding the margin on top. So we we charge based on quality, not on price. Okay. Okay. So when you're setting an agreement with a client, do you set it by the project and the amount of rewrites rather than hours spent? We ask the copywriter to quote. We find that the best way. So we get a written brief from the client. We send it yep. to the copywriter. We send it to a few copywriters. How much do you want for this job? How much would you charge? We add a little bit on the top. And then we ask the client to decide. 
Are there any particular tools that you think a copywriter needs these days? Uh, I just signed up to Grammarly, also in emails, because that also checks emails. Because when you're firing out emails to clients, and you know, here's the copy, and you you make a spelling yeah. mistake in the email, or yeah, it's very embarrassing. It doesn't bode well for the article. And it's always good to have it's just like another pair of eyes on the article. It does spot things that you haven't read, you haven't spotted. And also some of the clients are using it. So if you've repeated the word that 15 times, then it pops up. And so I've had sometimes the clients say, you know, this, this word is too repetitive. And there's no way they could really notice that because, you know, you didn't notice it. So obviously they're using it. So... It's just as a safeguard, but I don't use it to create the article. It's just as a check-in. So let's say I've started working as a copywriter and I've got a couple of clients, but now all of the deadlines are coming at me at once and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Do you have any tips or suggestions for how to manage multiple projects at once? Uh, get up earlier. <laughs> yeah, just, just work harder. <laughs> yeah, but also you have to do the copywriting before you open your first email of the day. The night before, you have to set yourself up to succeed. You have to predetermine all your thoughts and actions. So the night before, you've already read all the source material. You've had it digesting in the... You've had it fermenting in your cerebral space. So you can get up in the morning and then you're going to start writing. And you're not opening the email, seeing something else. Oh, I just replied to this guy quickly. Okay, where's the brief? Oh, I've got to download it. That's taking three minutes to download that file. I'll just email this guy. And you're just off down all these little avenues. And you're, you know, you need to have a still space to write from. So set everything up, put your computer where it's going to be, make sure your coffee cups there ready to be filled. And yeah. Everything's set up the night before. And you get up really early in the morning. And you know, you do your writing then, and you can often have done everything by nine o'clock, and then you can yeah. you look ready to have yourself fragmented in the world of emails. Yeah, and day to day to day work. Yeah, that's kind of similar to what to what I do. So when you look at businesses today, and you see what's on their website, what what kind of mistakes do you see businesses making who don't have a copywriter? When you when you read what's on their site, well, we work for clients in China, Eastern Europe. Taiwan, all around the world. So they've just, it's just a disaster. Yeah. So just Google Translate, basically. In their actual messaging, do you find that there's any things that people say when they don't have a copywriter? Like, for example, they might use really long sentences. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, they don't, they put the feature, not the benefit, which is basically, if you had to sum up what a copywriter does over a, over a normal writer, is that, you know, you're, you're pumping out the benefits and you're putting yourself in the, in the minds of the, the consumer or the end user, and you're yeah. pushing out why this will transform my life. And then to, to flip things around, are there any companies or businesses that you think do copywriting really well today or talk to customers really well with their copy? The leader in all these new industries, like, for example, MailChimp, or, yeah. you know, when, when it's a very visual, website you're scrolling down with the panels and there's just one sentence and then scrolling up and there's one everything's very there's a few cartoons and it's very clean it's one sentence and one sentence and the less copy then they know it has to be the better they know it has to be even better because you know when you when you go into a website and it's everyone they're explaining how good they are in paragraphs and paragraphs then it's, it's just People are on mobile phones, you know, people are not going to read a novel about how 
and the wonders of your product to your company. So when you're mm. having these very visual, you know, when you're flicking, when you're, when you're deciding which service to sign up for, you flick through all these websites. The winner is the one who has the, the simplest layout, the simplest presentation, the simplest messaging. And yeah, they've obviously had the best copywriter. Does design lead copy then? Or, or does copy lead design? I think design is much more important. Yeah, I mean, the picture is, is much more important, the design, the layout. And yeah, and if you know, yeah. if you see this beautiful website with this space for three lines that you, you can think up, then you know you have to come up with something very good. Um, you know that here's the one, two, three, so you, you've only got this tiny bit of space. It takes longer to write less. It can be harder to say more when you have less characters or you have a shorter word count. I, like I find it's actually more challenging to, to, to write uh, three sentences rather than three paragraphs. Who was it who said, uh, Apollos, I'm sorry this letter is so long, but I didn't have time to make it shorter. Yeah, I think it was Ernest Hemingway or George Orwell, one, one of those uh, writers. Great to talk to you today, Jack. Where can people find out more information about you or the Copywriter Collective? Yeah, copywritercollective.com. You can check it out. As I said, I'm a musician and I'm still a musician and I'm recording a lot of music. So you can check my website, jackstafford.org. Thank you, Jack. My pleasure. Thank you, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.